good Tuesday afternoon. SEC Football Live here on 440 Sports, of course, and that SEC podcast. Oh, a smile. That was, for those listening on the podcast feed, that was a smile, a mustachioed smile by Michael Bratton within the first five (laughs) seconds of the show. I am completely out of my game. It's like a zero blitz on the first play. I am now unprepared to do the rest of the show. How are you, sir? (laughs) Yeah, doing good. I just got done walking a mile. That's uh. Oh, you just did one. 12 less than Cousin Shane, but uh, yeah, doing good, man. How are you? I'm, I'm doing great. Uh, RC says, Braden, welcome to Gators World. That's right, baby. <laughs> Gators plus six and a half put money in my pocket. So, <laughs> um, no, we have a lot to discuss today. And of course, who is to be blamed for the Tennessee Volunteers performance? I've seen a lot of di- different things on the internet. And so I'm going to give you what I think about this. I can't wait to hear what you have to say. Uh, they, of course, will play UTSA as a three touchdown favorite this weekend with. Let's see if Eddie Lee Marburger is starting at quarterback for UTSA (laughs) or the great Frank Harris. Uh, Obviously, a two massive football games, Auburn and Texas A&M, Hugh Freeze versus Bobby Petrino in their returns to the SEC. I can't imagine if the SEC front office did that on purpose. Hugh Freeze's first game back and Bobby Petrino's first game back happens to be against each other on the same field. No way. Can't imagine. Uh, Obviously, Ole Miss and Bama. Is Bama teetering on the brink of destruction? And Mississippi State-South Carolina is a sneaky important game because the loser of that game is is got a lot of losses left to go on their schedule. And, and we'll get to everything we saw in, in week number three as the season moves way too freaking class uh, fast. And if you want to get in, of course, please, please uh, uh, jump into the comments and we'll discuss all these different things. I think there's lots of mind games going on between Nick Saban, Tommy, maybe not Tommy Reese. I'm not sure he's playing any games. Uh, <laughs> Nick Saban and and Lane Kiffin. I think there's, I've got some, I want to throw some stuff at you, Michael, to see what you think about why Lane Kiffin is doing what he's doing. I think there's very specific reasons why he's doing this stuff. Uh, Missouri with a huge win last week as well. There you go. Nick for life. Hello from M-I-Z, of course. Um, so we got a lot of stuff to get to today on the show. And I will ask all you folks, I'm not above begging. I have no shame. Uh, I'm not above begging all you great and wonderful and amazing subscribers to that SEC podcast YouTube page. I'm only like a 10 away from a thousand. So if you guys can jump over to 440 sports, we got a lot of content for you, a lot of Southern football, a lot of SEC football. So jump over to the 440 sports YouTube page and give me a subscribe. We would really appreciate it over there as well. And of course you can listen to this show in podcast form, SEC football live everywhere you get your podcasts. Okay. Uh, at Wait a Gallen. second. Before you go on, let me give you yeah. a plug here. This is yeah. because, because I gave, I gave it a plug on my show here uh, on Tuesday show with, because it's you and Steven, the great Steven Lassen comes on my show once a week. And then that's so twice. He, you've used his name now. That's twice. <laughs> he previews the games on, on our, on my show. And then on your show, he makes his picks later in the week. So I, that's, that's always a must watch. And I, I like watching it on YouTube. So, if you, if you can't get enough of Steven, you can't get enough of Braden, give him a follow over there at 440 Sports. It's it's must-see at the end of the week for me. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, I, I Everyone has said that about Steven. No one has ever said that about me. So uh, I do appreciate that. Even my wife is like, you're terminally online, big guy. You need to chill out. <laughs> um, all right, so I, I want to – I know you've talked – we've talked – we're going to talk a lot of Bama Ole Miss. We're going to talk a lot of Tennessee, Florida. So I, I just want to start in general with a theory that I want to throw out at you. And every and I'm seeing this kind of in the NFL to some degree as well. Like I, every now and then, you get a year where defenses just sort of circle back into power. Does that make sense? Like defensive coordinators make millions of dollars; they get paid to do this stuff too. 
we've been sort of seeing a lot of the same schemes on offense in college football for the better part of, let's say like six to eight years, maybe right. is kind of when this are the RPO stuff. And then you lose Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, Hendon Hooker, all gone to the NFL, 10 coordinators gone out of the SEC. I think it's very obvious. We are in a year where defenses are just going to be the thing we talk about. And that's affecting Alabama. That's affecting Tennessee. It's a, I don't think KJ Jefferson is playing as well as he's supposed to be. I don't know much about Kentucky yet. I, I think we know about some, some stuff about Ole Miss, but it, you know, I, I just think we're going to be in a year maybe where defense is the thing that wins, and Georgia certainly well situated. W- what do you think of the theory that just this could be a year where defense sort of catches up, for lack of a better phrase, maybe with the offenses in college football and in the SEC? Well, you know what all those teams have in common? I, I, I don't want to quiz you here, but I, I'm talking personnel a weakness that every team you just referenced, I was trying to keep track in my head while you were doing it. What is one key issue they all have in common? Am yeah. I doing it right? <laughs> no, it's backwards, but yeah, it's Am the I offensive doing the OL, line. Right? <laughs> offensive line. And it's not just college football, it's the NFL now. And yeah. I, I just think we're, and this is something that a lot of knowledgeable people have been talking about for a while. There's, there's real, developmental issues with offensive line in all aspects of, of football. And I think a lot of it has to do with the, with the rules and I get, you know, player safety and all that. I'm not saying we go back to the junction boys, but uh, if we're not being as physical in camps and in the off season, and, and it's just, I mean, hell, when we get to the NFL draft, it seems like, you know, they, they typically say there's about two guys that are draftable that can play in the NFL and, I think that's a big problem, and it's it's hilarious to me. I I love uh, we all overreact. I'm the most guilty of it, of anybody, but I love all these comments I'm seeing of Joe Milton. God, he's awful. He can't play. Overthrow Joe, which I'm not saying he's flawless. Hell, I never believed in him being an elite quarterback. And anybody that's that's watched this show or any other can tell you that. But he's not the problem. The problem is the offensive line. They mm. could they can't block, particularly in the interior. Their center's out. Their right tackle is out. Uh, and that that's across the board, man. I mean, Kentucky used to be O-line U. Sam Pittman, greatest offensive line coach in the country. Offensive line issues. Damn and it, it's yeah. it's all over. So um, it, I, I think that's that's it more than defenses have, have caught up, although. I think the know, quarterback play and the coordinators are a big problem. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not suggesting that there aren't some good quarterbacks and some good coordinators. Of course there are. I don't think we know exactly what Devin Leary is, to be honest with you. Like we, they've they've won games. They have the second most efficient offense in in the in the league, but I don't think we know exactly what they are. They're going to play Vanderbilt on the road. I mean, that's a revenge game for them. Are we going to learn about that this week? I mean, Spencer Rattler has played probably his best football. They've lost twice, and the offensive line is atrocious. So I agree with you. I think it's a combination of all those. That's just something that's been hitting me watching football, and it's not just the SEC. It's all across college football, and it's in the NFL. I just feel like defenses are catching up slowly with the, the the modern schemes, which means the offenses are going to adapt and evolve, and they're going to have their new thing. But I think you're right. If you, it's a good point to bring up how many NFL linemen are like they're not prepared yet for NFL football because they're just not as good at, at this level. I, I think that's a really good observation by you. Now let's get to Tennessee then first because I want to talk Bama too. But I, I think there's so much more than the offensive line uh, to me and. Florida needs to be given credit for their game plan. They need to be given credit for the way they lined up and ran the football. They were patient in the first half. Graham Mertz was okay. He was in control of the offense. 
Um, but I thought Tennessee shit down its leg because they were completely uncomposed. Like, I don't think Florida, like, was was significantly better than Tennessee. And that's not meant to be a knock on Florida. I think that was an excellent performance. But Joe Milton was was not in control of the football game. The offensive line, to your point, wasn't elite. I don't think they ran the ball enough in the first half. They went back to it in the second half, and look what happened. They started running the football. The receivers weren't creating separation. I mean, I, I think you can go down the list of things that went wrong, and it was just everything. But I come back to they couldn't handle the moment. And if you want to put that on Joe Milton or the offensive line or the defense or the receivers or Coach Heupel, I don't care. But they were not in control of themselves in that game. And, and like, I know people want to complain about the refs, and that's fine. But when, they, when the ref accidentally kicks that football, Michael, at mm-hmm. the end of that game on the fourth down, Joe Milton has to keep the team lined up. Keep the team lined up and ready to snap the ball as soon as it gets placed down. He just walks off. He just walks away. And like there was that's just one tiny little incident. But like it, it it's everybody. The, the your tier point, the center was I mean, obviously that was a major problem. <laughs> I'm not trying to like dog pile on a kid that obviously wasn't really qualified to be in the game. You know what I mean? But to me, it was about a lack of composure and a lack of control. And and give credit to Florida. They were there to take advantage of every opportunity. I'm going to agree with Jacob here. What the hell are you talking about? Graham Mertz. I I thought he was great in that game. And in key key moments, third and long, you know, making uh, just accurate throws. The receivers were helping out with amazing catches, toe toe grabs. Uh, How about that run, though, where he – I mean, he, juke, he he faked the guy out and is pointing at him, mocking him. I mean, that, that was, that was a, good, that was a quarterback. That. that was a quarterback in the zone on on Saturday. So, I but think did he? But did he consistently make third and nine throw? Like, no, that was Travis. To me, that was Travis Etienne in the running game. Mm-hmm. To me, I, I, I that's not a knock on Mertz. I thought Mertz was was good. I don't think they won the game because of Graham Mertz. Yeah, Does that makes sense. No, I got you. But yeah, to your point, Tennessee, absolute failure operationally, players coaching they were using timeouts in just bizarre ways because they couldn't get they couldn't get lined up they couldn't get things communicated I mean it was that was a travesty that that was awful uh but here's here's a point that I made earlier too on I I do so many of these Braden I don't I can't remember where I said it or who I said it to so I apologize if I'm repeating myself but I think we're we're into the season enough to know at least to this point, there's no dominant teams. There's no elite team, even Georgia. You know, they, they look dominant for about a half. That's, that's all I'm going to give them right now. I think this season is going to come down to home field advantage and a quarterback getting hot. And, I, and Florida was great last week. That's to me, is no guarantee they're going to be no, great I, this I, week. And, and that's not Florida. That's everybody. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. T- Texas A&M looking red hot, yes, against bad competition. And then just looking like a train wreck at Miami. I think that's what we're going to get across the board from the SEC. Hell, Texas went into Tuscaloosa, outclassed Crimson Tide, unlike we've ever seen at home under Nick Saban. And then the following week, Wyoming is a four-quarter game. I think we're going to get that week in, yep. week out. Yep. And that's why we really need to be paying attention to these kickoff times. People are, are already mentioning it. Florida, I think, catches a huge break getting Kentucky at, at a, a noon Eastern time. That's a huge win for Florida, and I know I'm looking Cause it's, away. Because it's in because it's in Kentucky, right? It's in Lexington yeah, at noon, yeah. so that's a big break. Whereas South Carolina, they screwed you. You're playing in Neyland Stadium at night <laughs> in two weeks. So I, I think those are the decisions that are going to dictate 
this season uh, more than just about anything else. I, I think, and I, I completely agree, and I think I remember telling you this in the summertime, like you're going to look up when we get into conference play and almost like half of the games you're going to see. Yeah, how did you get a podcast, you idiot? Um, <laughs> you're, you're, that's a comment, by the way, from, from Brad. I, I think what's, I think I told you this over and over again. We're going to get into conference play and like almost, almost all the games are going to be a touchdown or less point spread. Look mm-hmm. at what we got this week. Mississippi State, South Carolina, minus six. Missouri and Memphis, minus seven. Uh, Ole Miss and Bama, minus seven. Auburn A&M, seven and a half. They are mm-hmm. all crap shoots. They're all going to be complete crap shoots. And I agree. It's a quarterback who gets hot. And, and again, I, Florida fans, this is, again, this is not a knock on Graham Mertz or what Florida did. They were w- very well prepared. Their pre-snap motion, I've, I said this about Anthony Richardson. I said this about Billy Napier's offense for a year and a half. It is as interesting and complex as it gets, and it is tough to prepare for when executed well. I, I think you can give credit to Florida and also say that it was Tennessee's fault at the same time. Like two things can be true at the same time. And so it's not a knock on, on Mertz. I, I think he was in control. But if I'm giving a game ball to somebody on Florida's team, it's Travis Etienne in the running game and the game plan to slow the clock down in the first half. They they would make a few plays, and then they would just suck the life out of you for like four, 14 play drives. Like it was just a great game plan, and I give credit to Florida and Tennessee. The, the, the job for Josh Heupel and for Joe Milton is to respond to that. Now, how about they, Jacob here, though? Because I, I disagree with this comment. Oh, where'd you go? Uh-oh. <laughs> it's all right. You just uh, There you go. Mertz fits Billy's scheme more than AR did. That's interesting. Um, I, I, I disagree with that strongly. Because, yeah, I, I do too. Because he, what Napier wants, and you can tell by the guys he's recruiting and the guys he's, he's recruited at Louisiana, he wants a runner. And I, I think any smart co- uh, coach wants a running quarterback because – Again, Graham Mertz got it done with his legs against Tennessee, but that's not his forte. You're you're playing ten on eleven if you don't have a mobile quarterback. I don't think any. I would never recruit a quarterback anymore that can't run the ball. Uh, I, so I think, but what's interesting about Napier though is he needs someone who can really manage a lot of complexity pre-snap. Like mm-hmm. his pre-snap stuff is very complicated, and that's why Anthony Richardson. Was take was it's not just his pure athletic ability because he's one of the greatest athletes you've ever seen at quarterback, the best ever to go to the combine. But but Billy Napier put a lot on his plate for a guy who only started like four games coming coming into that season last year, and that's partly why NFL people looked at him and said, "Oh, I think he's ready to go." And and if you look at the start to his game and a half in the NFL, he's been very productive until the concussion for the Colts. So it's because he handled a lot of that stuff. Just because he was inaccurate doesn't mean he wasn't able to understand the offense. And so, I, which which brings us the running quarterback, of course, brings us right to the Alabama Crimson Tide. Um, I think let me let me float a crazy. This is as hot as I'll ever get on a hot take. Nick Saban said something about I wanted to see. It was a very interesting comment that I heard him say. He basically said, "I'm paraphrasing, but he's like, I saw what I needed to see from Jalen Milrow on the sidelines of the South Florida game." And I thought for a second, I like that's a dumb thing. That's weird. What does that even mean? I am I. Jalen Milrow is so obviously the starting quarterback and the best option for Alabama that he's already been named the starter for the Ole Miss game. Is there a chance Nick Saban ran those other two guys out there to show Jalen Milrow, look, I need more from you in this, this, and this department. I need more from you in a leadership role. I need more from you in a maturity role. I don't know what it could be. Something about I need you to be a more complete player on and off the field 
I, I don't know. I heard that comment and I was like, he knows he can beat South Florida with shitty quarterback play. And he did. And he easily. almost didn't. Well, I mean, but they kind of like it was never really in doubt. They won by two touchdowns. I doubted it. Well, that's because you doubt the whole organization. <laughs> they they scored with one minute left to to give them seventeen. I mean, that was awful. I mean, sure, no. But no. Do, you, do you see what I'm Jay, saying? Like, no. Jalen Milrow needs to do a little bit more X, Y, and Z. So I'm going to make him watch Nick Saban, and then I'm going to put him right back into the into even the more than I, than I already thought. If that's what he really truly did there, I, no, no, no. <laughs> that's why I said but, it was a hot take. It's a conspiracy theory. No, I apparently. I mean, I. I I can't confirm. I have no idea. But I they're, they're saying on Alabama radio that Jalen Milrow may have been suspended. So I've heard that as well. But it's just nonsensical what the hell they're doing. And they, See, there's no explanation for it, though. He's well, clearly the best. He wasn't the reason they lost to Texas. He's clearly mm-hmm. the best quarterback on the team. It's not even close. Right. Well, also, Tommy Reese apparently just is not a big fan of, of Jalen Milrow. I think that's an issue well, as well. Well, we're so, all not fans of Tommy Reese. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. So, uh, I mean, it's just, it's it's so stupid what they're doing here. And it's, it's this is why I said it's, been, it's crumbling <laughs> for a while now. And I could never have imagined it, it would get to this depth. But I think it's the biggest game uh, of, of the the dynasty here. Because it, it's big. It's the big. wheels are going to fall off if they lose at home to Ole Miss especially with the defensive coordinator that, uh, yeah. you know, they they more or less ran off. And this this is huge. This is the biggest game of the year for Alabama. So Kyle asked about Missouri and Memphis. We'll get to that. Chris, you're asking about Bobby Petrino and Hugh Freeze. Much watch. We'll get to that, of course. Um, I, listen, I think they're – and Jacob says, Braden, look, they scored with 55 seconds left to go. I, I know what happened. I get it. I, I'm just saying I feel like there's more to the story. Yeah. Whether it's a suspension that no one talked about, whether it's a lesson he's trying to teach Jalen Miller, like whatever, whether Jalen Miller, you know, may, maybe Tommy Reese doesn't like him because Tommy Reese doesn't know about football. That's that's fine. I, I'm just saying there seems like there's more to it. Now, let's get to the Kiffin side of this, because I do want to get to the game uh, and actually analyze the game. The Kiffin side of this. And here's what people don't people need to know this about Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin is an incredibly private person. He does not, if you want stuff out of Lane Kiffin, I've been around him. I've asked him questions at press conferences. Like he is an incredibly private person, despite his Twitter fingers. But he is incredibly savvy at understanding his pulpit, his platform, and how to use it to his advantage. When Lane Kiffin wants to say something and get a message out or get a kind of get get a narrative going or twist something around in the press. Lane Kiffin knows how to do it as well as anybody and probably better than anybody. And my thought on, on Lane Kiffin's commentary this week about the defense and about the game plan and about the play calling and all this other stuff is all calculated to just continue to create this mental space. That's gray for Alabama. It's just distract, distract, distract. Like he doesn't outside of like the popcorn comment on the sideline, which was dumb before the game where he let his emotions get the best of him. Lane Kiffin is incredibly difficult to get anything out of unless he wants you to hear it. And I think he like they're a seven point underdog. They're the best offense in the sec averaging over eight yards of play. They one time since 1988 has Ole Miss won in Tuscaloosa. And that, that took five turnovers inside the Alabama territory to win that game. When Hugh freeze was the coach. I think he knows this is a pretty tough battle, and I think he's trying to play as many games as possible in the press to, to because, I don't know, 15 out of 16 at home, Alabama versus Ole Miss. 
Mm-hmm. Well, also one thing you didn't mention there, Braden, he, he's got a $40 million lawsuit up against him just this week. So I, I think he's trying to deflect and, and get attention away from that as well. So, but yeah, no, I, I agree with hundred percent of what you're saying. I mean, he's, this is just mind games. This is just causing trouble. Uh, just trying to deflect because yeah, I mean, again, all the pressures on Alabama, but cause, cause we overreact, we react to what we just saw. If they play like they did on Saturday, they'll probably get killed, but Alabama cannot play that bad again. They, they just can't. And a lot of it has to do with playing Jalen Miller, playing the correct quarterback, but it's really comes Tommy Reese has, has got to adjust to his quarterback. But the thing you don't hear about is Alabama's defense. Again, shitty competition in, in South Florida, but this is going to be the best defense Ole Miss has faced so far this season. And By and a they've, mile. They've had some real struggles. They've needed Jackson Dart to bail them out now essentially two weeks in a row. So focus on Jackson Dart, dominate the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. And this, this could be a, a lopsided win for Alabama. I mean, that wouldn't surprise me. Is that where you're – okay. So I don't, I don't like, really care all that much about predictions. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure I'd touch it from a point spread, Jacob. You're asking about Ole Miss as a seven-point dog. I, 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 this is not a game I would touch. Certainly Pete Golding, who the, – the reports, the general understanding is that it was an amicable divorce. Like both sides kind of wanted it, Alabama and Pete Golding. He goes to to Ole Miss. They are they a little bit better than they were last year? Yes. Are they a little bit be- like was that was last year a little bit better than the year before that? Yes. They've kind of got s- slightly better. But remember, you needed fourth down heroics from Jackson Dart to beat a Tulane team that didn't have its star quarterback. I like Jackson Dart. I like this Ole Miss team. I think going into Tuscaloosa and killing the giant and truly ending the dynasty is a much bigger ask than people realize. And I think you're right to point out Alabama's defense. I think history matters here. I think talent matters here. I don't think Ole Miss is going to be able to run the football. I, I know Judkins is great. I, I if he has he, 150 yards, they'll win. I, that, but sure, sure, I think he's got 150 on the year so far. He's been banged up. I think that's why they played him last week because they they he knew hey, if I'm going to go all out next week, I've I've got to I got to get it going here. Test yeah. it. He he didn't play much, but. Again, every time he's getting the ball, he's getting hit at the line of scrimmage or in the backfield, and he's still making plays. But this he's pretty good. He's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I mean he he's incredible. He he's yep. key to the game. I I think Alabama knows it. Um, it's going to be on Dart to do something spectacular, and if he does, and, and listen, listen, Chad Kelly threw for a bunch of yards in that game, and and again they needed five turnovers, four of which I think came inside like the Bama thirty-five yard line. Back in, I think that was 2016, I believe, to win that game on the road. And, and we know about the doctor, you know, the good Dr. Bo and the game before the previous year before at home. But again, otherwise, 1988, last time that that Ole Miss went in there and 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 won. And I think outside of that one, that one game, I I this is one of those where like I have no problem turning around on Sunday morning, waking up and being like the dynasty's dead, Bama's dead, their hopes have changed, and Ole Miss is one uh, has a chance to actually do something we haven't seen in my basically in my lifetime, which is compete for an SEC championship. I'm I'm fine with waking up on Sunday morning and saying that. There's no chance I'm picking it right now though. I I think Alabama's defense is the story. I think Milrow's legs are the story. His ability to solve some of those problems on the offensive line. His ability to make plays and open up the playbook for Tommy Reese, if he has one of those still, I don't know if he's got one. Uh, but I, I think Alabama wins, and I don't know. Like, I need to see it before I believe that the Giant is truly dead. You know, 
Let me ask you this, because this will this will really be clue us in if Alabama's dynasty is dead. If Jackson Dart has, you know, four touchdowns, five touchdowns, heroic performance leads him to victory, any other year you do that in Tuscaloosa, you're automatically the Heisman favorite. Mm. Will, will he even get any Heisman love if he does that to this Alabama team? Uh, I think that's. So you're saying that's sort of like some galaxy brain there. You're basically saying like because people perceive this Alabama team to not be as good, <laughs> that Jackson Dart won't get as much credit, even though <laughs> he's like, the one well, who made Alabama. A and M and LSU. <laughs> oh, you did it against Bama, but let's see what you can do against Mississippi State. Okay. No, I, I mean, I see what you're doing there, like the A plus B equals C kind of thing. But like, it would also be Jackson Dart's fault then that Alabama would be perceived as not as good. <laughs> exactly. Yep. In which case, you have to give him credit for that so i i don't know i, I think it was um uh, here's the thing and, and you you mentioned you the mention yeah you guys are bragging about fine bomb that's fine um here's what i want fine bomb has said this and i'm curious if it's rubbed off on you he said this to me before he said it to you he said it a million times the thing that will get nick saban to walk away is losing not not portal not nil not recruiting wars not age it's just like when he's not the best anymore that's when he's like i'm done mm. and i'm and i'm curious is it two years of not winning the division? And again, let's let let's admit that that we're still premature here on a, on on the dynasty being over. Like until he retires, I'm not saying the dynasty's over. Are they going to win the national championship this year? Probably not. That seems pretty obvious. Are they going to win the SEC championship this year? Seems pretty obvious that they're not. I didn't pick either of those two things. Yeah, uh, I had Georgia and Florida State playing for the championship. Where'd Damn. you go? Um, so I, I just am curious, do you, do you buy into that as the, the reason that would push him out of, out of coaching Mr. Black box? Hmm. I don't know why that keeps happening. That's pissing me off, but, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know because I, f I feel like losing, he'll be driven to correct it. Yeah. I, I don't know what else he does if he's not a. He's not a football coach. I don't. People are like, well, he'll go to. He'll be the next Lee Corso. I don't think he wants to do that. I really. I don't think he's got any interest in, in right. doing that. All right. I don't. Well, a lot of these coaches. Bear Bryant is one of them. There's a bunch of coaches historically that when they got done, they didn't have anything else to do and they died. Right. Like like coaching is the thing that keeps them going. I, you know, Joe Paterno obviously had some other things going on, but that was a part of it. Bobby. Bobby Bowden, I think, right? Coach K. I'm wondering about Coach K, like Coach K Gardens, I think. I don't know. Um, I don't think gardening is a thing that keeps you busy. Um, all right. Uh, let's. You want to give some credit to Missouri here? Uh, they will play Memphis this week. We already were asked about it earlier in the comments. Uh, I'm taking Bama to win at home. I don't know what you're taking, but I'm taking Bama to win at home. Someone asked me if Drink should be fired after his comments after the Kansas State win. <laughs> Someone at ESPN. I, I don't think there wasn't a Missouri say. fan. It wasn't a Missouri fan, right? No, but I okay. I just thought that was funny. You know, they 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 still don't believe in drink, which I thought was kind of funny because he damn near cost him a that game with the penalty there uh, right before the massive field goal. I I just think that's funny. <laughs> but no, that was his biggest win, no doubt. That's the one I think he get the fans behind him and get people behind Brady Cook. I think that's the important thing because we. We're starting to see a little bit of, of what Drink is seeing in him. Uh, I, mean, I mean, that was massive. And now they they got to take care of business, no doubt. But we've been calling for it a, a long time. I would yes, love yeah. to see College Game Day. I have an O, baby. Up there, if they're undefeated and LSU keeps winning, I mean, that's a massive showdown. And 
Uh, you know, I, again, I, there's other big games. I get it. But they, they go to Alabama. They go to A&M all the time. They don't go to Columbia, Missouri that often. So, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe they're for real. I know the defense is for real. Yeah, defense is, is very, very good. And I'll say, I, I thought it was their best performance on offense all season against probably the best team they played all season. So you got to give them credit for that. Brady Cook was was actually pretty efficient for most of that game. He wasn't great, but he was pretty efficient for most of that game. I just give him a ton of credit for the fight because that is a very well-coached, very well-coached Kansas State team. And and when you play chess, sometimes the pawns just end up like lining up against each other, then they just stop and they're dead. And I was always wondering if a very well-coached Missouri defense and a very well-coached Kansas State offense like just kept running into each other, like would anything happen? And it, it was an excellent game. It, it, big time performance, and obviously a 61 yard field goal is just bananas. Yep. So they get a ton of credit. If they can beat Memphis as only a touchdown favorite, that game's in St. Louis, of course. Memphis is sneaky good. They're not great, but they're good. They're not as good as Kansas State. So if you can stay grounded and Cook is, is, is healthy, again, yeah, there's the Casey Sanders says this. Brady Cook is listening is questionable for this Saturday's game. This is one of those, be careful what you wish for fans. If all of a sudden Sam Horn is out there and he's not any good, all y'all gonna have to shut up about it. Yeah. Um, but if you can beat Memphis and then you get Vanderbilt next week and you beat Vanderbilt five and zero hosting LSU. I think there were a couple of podcasts this summer, a bunch of podcast hosts this summer saying, watch out for those Missouri Tigers <laughs> this year. Well, and the thing with them that I really love Braden, because you remember, I kind of went on a rant when they landed, uh, the commitment of, uh, What's his name? Williams and Wari, whatever the number the one. The big defensive lineman in state. Which same deal with Luther Burden. We, we got to recognize. I mean, he could have went to Georgia. He could have went to Ohio State. Hell, he could have went anywhere. He stayed yep. home, and he's living up to his potential. So that's a credit to him. It's a credit to the coaches. And every time he touches the ball, it's, it's electric. I mean, he's far and away the best player on the team, and I, I think he's the best player than anyone on the opposing team, even against number 15 Kansas State. So – that's just further evidence, in my opinion. You, again, if you're a Georgia fan, Bama fan, I'm not trying to completely shit on your program. You get <laughs> enough. You get enough stars. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. don't got to get them all. And and I think it makes college football, it makes SEC football better when there's elite talent all across the conference. And I, I think this is just further evidence that th that that's good for the sport. Yeah, uh, Memphis dominated Bethune Cookman and Arkansas State in weeks one. They, they made Butch Jones – they don't think they made Butch Jones cry, but they, they basically – they almost did, 37-3. <laughs> Butch Jones cried, I think, in week one because of Oklahoma. They, 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 only beat, they only beat Navy by four last week, but that's – I mean, a lot of that sometimes – like, Navy is a weird team to play against when they're running the triple option. They have a top 40 offense nationally in terms of yards per play, so that's a team that you want to keep an eye on from an offensive standpoint. Um, I, I just look Memphis is a solid team that what's interesting is they have a top 10 defense right now. So low scoring, maybe take mm. the under, uh, take the under, see what you got. They have not played anybody of Missouri's caliber either. And, and the rushing statistics are going to be skewed because they played Navy. Right. So let, let's keep yeah. an eye on that. That's a really good game though. Um, all right, let's get to, you want to get to Petrino and, and freeze here. Yeah. A lot <laughs> of, a lot of A&M bashing in the comments. I don't stand yeah. for that. You know, wave your wave, a, wave your flag, wave your flag. I'm a there. big Connor Wigman. Yeah, I mean he's he's electric, isn't he? So the I, offense, the offense ain't nothing wrong with the offense of Bobby Petrino and Connor Wigman and those receivers. Those five star frisbee catching dogs are great. Like they mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they can make plays, dude. There's no question about that. Um, and Auburn's offense has not exactly inspired greatness to this point. They had their best showing last week, but that was against Slappy State. So I I think <laughs> I think this is. 
This is as I mean, great. Does this have a feeling of one where, like, again, not trying to be disrespectful, but I, I try to keep it as real as I can. Th- this feels like one where Auburn and their fans in particular, you know, they're on cloud nine. They should be. Future's bright. Hugh Freeze is going to kill it for you as long as he doesn't kill anyone off the field. But Jesus, I think Texas A&M. Right to murder, if they, huh? Okay. If, if they play up to their potential, should beat the hell out of this team at home. I, I, yeah, if I, agree, I agree. If it's a night game at Jordan-Hare, different story. But A&M's got no bit. I mean, hell, they, they should fire Jimbo Sunday if they can't beat this team. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, easy with the firing of Jimbo when it's six when, it, when it costs you sixty million dollars. Um, look, uh, Miami could end up being a very good football team this year offensively. We we don't know. Uh, they they are for right now. I have not seen as much from from Auburn yet. Um, as I'm trying to stall and like pull up the um the the metrics, they do have the right now. I believe the number one yard, most efficient defense in the SEC. Uh, which again. When you play Cal, which is a good team on the road, but that's a, a questionable offensive football team. And then you play two, again, two slappies. I think you should have good defensive numbers. This is a very, very different test for Hugh Freeze. And I just don't think the dudes are there yet. I agree with you. This is a night game, Jordan Hare. Maybe it's more like a two or three point spread. It could be great. It could be interesting. But this is how many times do we say this over the last couple of years? If you're Jimbo Fisher, if you're Bobby, if you're if you're if you are if you're supposed to be the man running the ship at College Station, this is a game you've got to win. You got to win this one. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. They, there's no excuse for losing this one, and it just it'll it'll just show everybody what a fraud Jimbo is if he can't win this game. I mean, it's it's that simple. Because Auburn, I'm trying to think. I mean, they they've got some good players, but. Texas A&M's got significantly better players, at least at this point in their program. So across the board, it, it's at home again. You got a you'll have a hundred thousand supporting you. No excuse. You're supposed to be an SEC contender. Auburn is just, in my mind, trying to prove they're not the worst team in the West. And but when I again, you throw out a word "worst," they're like, "Oh my God, you hate us." What 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 the hell's your problem? Well, we're worse but, than the SEC West is relative, is what that's, you're saying. That's like a top 30, yeah, 35 yeah. program in the country, in my in my book. So well, and if you look at AM's numbers against New Mexico and Louisiana Monroe on defense, again, granted, not great competition there, but three point seven yards per play against New Mexico, four point six yards per play against Louisiana Monroe, that that would make them a top 20, top 25 defense in, in America. They gave up 8.3 yards per play against Miami. So I would argue Auburn is probably in the middle. Like they're mm-hmm. clearly be- way better than New Mexico and Louisiana Monroe on offense, but they're probably not close to as good as Miami. So if you're in that five and a half, six yards per range, you know, defensively, I don't see how Auburn gets enough stops in a hostile environment. Again, noon kickoff. I'm not sure I'm laying the points. I'm not taking. I'm not laying the seven and a half. But I, I really like the. I like the Aggies in this one for sure. So we like Bama at home. We like Texas A&M at home. Uh, we like Missouri. Uh, how about Arkansas and LSU? We got to talk about the LSU performance from last week. That was as crisp. It, it, you know, it wasn't. I don't think that's a, a game plan that beats Georgia or beats Florida State in a rematch. But they that was an impressive showing on offense. Mississippi State. I'm not sure what they were doing on defense. Jaden Daniels made made a bunch of plays. Uh, really, really impressive showing by LSU. Uh, Arkansas, of course, uh, much like the rest of the conference, shit the bed last week. Uh, KJ just doesn't look like he's. It's not on him. It's the offensive line. But 
that Arkansas team, it doesn't it feel like they're just like the hot air balloon of Sam Pittman is like deflating slowly but surely. Is that is that a weird analogy? Uh perhaps, but hmm, you know, I I saw a stat uh from uh Parker Fleming, Stats of War. Great great account if you if anybody out there not following him, but he puts out this weekly uh you know, it, it shows you did your team really get dominated or in, in in their loss or did they were they really the better team by the advanced metrics and number two in the in the entire country essentially the worst loss was Arkansas against BYU they they more or less dominated but it was a couple turnovers a, sh- a shit ton of penalties yeah. and a, and a couple big plays given up I mean Arkansas had no business losing that game again we could sit here and what if every game so but so I, I don't know if I'll, I'll completely go with you on that because the defense is, is making strides. They haven't had Rocket Sanders, who's an elite running back. Yes, this is another one. The offensive line is a huge issue. KJ, I still think, is awesome. He's make, I mean, he's, he's putting it all on the line. But it, it's seemingly every other big play he has, there's a holding penalty. Or there's, a, there's this penalty, there's that he's penalty. He's not getting any help. He's not getting any help. I mean, he can only do so much. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, this, this is a game. I think this is a game Arkansas is going to surprise a lot of people. Cause I, I don't think LSU, even though I was the one pumping them up as a title contender, West champ, I don't know if they're quite as good as what they showed last week. I think that told me more about Mississippi state being yeah. pretty bad. So who's I don't the, who, do, who do you think is, uh, who's got more questions in the West at the bottom, Auburn, Mississippi state, Arkansas. Like I had a really tough time deciding who I who I really think is the worst team. Like that's not a good. I mean, Mississippi State got five turnovers against Arizona and needed overtime. They got mm-hmm. destroyed at home. Now losing to LSU is not a, there's not there's no shame in that. But you got destroyed at home as a nine point underdog. Arkansas got beat at home as a nine point favorite. Right by a team that is not nearly as good as LSU. I Auburn I think has the most questions on the roster. I can't, I honestly can't tell between those three. I think I think Mississippi State because we still don't know what we got in Zach Arnett as a head coach. We don't know Kevin Barbet clearly not working on the offensive side, and they've got uh, who, who their fans. You know they they made this point all off season. Most accomplished passer in the SEC. Well, it's not showing itself. He's he's not comfortable in the offense. I mean, we're a month into the season, and we're we're saying, well, we need to get Mike Wright more involved. That's not what you want. Yeah, when you have a Will Rogers who, again, I, he just—I I guess he just doesn't fit anything what they're trying to do. So the biggest question for me is—is is Mississippi State eight home games this year? Every road game looks winnable. Yeah. Yet this this seems like a this is going to be a real missed opportunity if they can't turn it around immediately. Donovan says, "Braden, you know good and well." And this is assume his accent. Uh, Braden, you know good and well that Mississippi State is worse than Auburn. Don't be dumb, sir. Thank you. I do, I do like the thank you at the end. I like the thank you. He's like, yeah. No, and I, I agree. I rank, I think I rank Mississippi State at the bottom. I think Arkansas has. I'm. I I, I want to see somebody step up and support KJ Jefferson because I love KJ Jefferson, but mm-hmm. a lot of votes for Mississippi State. You you went Mississippi State as well, so I. I, I think I don't about know. it I, this way. I mean, they had Mike Leach. And Zach Arnett as a defensive coordinator, I, I heard the stats. I, I'm, I'm going to miss this because it's not verbatim, but their defensive efficiency was like 70. Their their offensive efficiency was like 60 last year. How they won nine football games, I mean, that's 
I don't know. That's that was like magic by the pirate. And this well, that's if you just, look at their current numbers, asking too much for Zach Arnett to to duplicate that. If you look at their current efficiency numbers, they are twelfth in the SEC in offense and fourteenth in defense. Doesn't get much worse. They are like Vanderbilt's better at both things, offense and defense. So that's a problem. Yeah, I, I would I would absolutely have Auburn ahead of Arkansas and Mississippi State right now with the with the asterisk of like if Rocket Sanders comes back and Arkansas figures things out that Arkansas could clearly move back up quickly. But that at nine nine point favorite at home that's a that's a big loss. That's a big loss when you give up a forty burger to a middle of the pack Big Twelve team. That that's a concern for me. Um, all right, uh, now I don't think they. So it sounds like you're taking Arkansas on the is it twelve and a half against LSU this week. Sounds like? Uh, I don't know. I haven't decided yet. Okay. <laughs> tune, in, tune in later. Uh, mm-hmm. Florida hosts Charlotte, of course. We've already addressed Florida and given them enough credit. They're 28-point favorite. Uh, let's, before we get to Mississippi State, South Carolina, we could talk the Georgia side of that matchup. They're going to host UAB, 42-point favorite. Uh, Tennessee, of course, will host UTSA as a three-touchdown favorite. That UTSA team is better than their record indicates, but I think that point spread kind of tells you all you need to know. Kentucky will go on the road as a 14-point favorite. before you move on, Vanderbilt. what happens if Tennessee struggles in this one? Because right, so, we've seen them three times. They've, they've struggled twice. You're saying the struggle against Austin P, and then just Florida. fairly a fairly solid performance against Virginia. Um, yes, it, if, if they don't uh, beat UTSA by two touchdowns, Andrew Andrew points this out. Andrew Cooper says Frank Harris is injured. If, if Frank Harris plays, I actually don't have a problem with any victory. <laughs> what Unless if he it, doesn't, and it, and they still almost win? Well, let me get there. If if Frank Harris plays and it is sloppy close, then I then I have questions. If Joe Milton can't get the team lined up and the offensive lines false starting and the defense is missing tackles and the special teams are you know like whatever. If that's the way it happens, but Frank Harris plays and it's a close game, then I'm pissed off about Tennessee. If Frank Harris plays and they play a good game and Frank Harris is elite and is just one of the best group of five quarterbacks in America and they win the game, then I say, look, you take your W and you move on. If if Eddie Lee Marburger plays, <laughs> again, one of my favorite names in college football, if Eddie Lee Marburger is the quarterback for UTSA who could not beat Army last week at home mm-hmm. and they struggle – then Tennessee's got issues and I'm going to win my bet. Uh, if, if they struggle against UTSA with you, I'm, I'm waiting on that bottle of whiskey, big guy. It's not over you did, yet. What, you had this, you, this you, is you one had, loss. This, and you, remember, it goes back to what I'm saying. Home field. Yeah. That's hot true. quarterback. I don't think Tennessee's facing that again, except for maybe Alabama. And they'll Nick Saban will probably already be retired by that kick game. I I I think everything Kentucky has at home is better than what Florida had at home, uh, minus maybe the atmosphere. The crowd was better in Florida, probably. Mm-hmm. But quarterback for Kentucky better. You do Defense hate Florida. Line. Do you feel? Do you, <laughs> it's not about hating Florida. It's just these are just facts, you yo. Just said, these are just facts. Who's got a better defense? Who's got a no? I said Florida does. Who's got the better defensive line? Kentucky. Who's got the better quarterback? Kentucky. Who's got the more established and, and better culture and coach? Kentucky. Who's got the better weapons on offense? Kentucky. Like it, this is it's not a knock on Florida. It's a pro Kentucky mm. take, is what it is. That's, You're saying they're not going to face another atmosphere or another situation on the road like that. And I think Kentucky's a tougher game on the road than Florida was. Florida's Florida's right here for Tennessee. It's all in their brains, dude. Florida lives. Well, it's the reverse free. for Kentucky and Tennessee. Then that's true. That's a good point. Good point. And and Kentucky is just. I've, I've been hyping them up. They've not. They've not looked the part. They've got. They've got to prove something to me. 
They, I, I, I don't disagree that they played with their food, but here's some stats. There's only two teams in the, in the conference right now, only two teams that are in the top four, in the top five, excuse me, in both offensive and defensive efficiency. Georgia is one of them, and the other one's Kentucky. Kentucky is number two in offensive efficiency, almost seven, more than seven and a half yards per play, and Kentucky is fifth in defensive efficiency. Now, that, that can't be is, right. That is against nobody. So let's be clear. You're saying nope, Kentucky's got the number two efficiency in the in the SEC? They average 7.6 yards per play. That is number two behind only Ole Miss. They are fifth in defense behind Auburn, Georgia, Arkansas, and Tennessee on defense. They are top five in both categories. The only other team in the conference that's top five in both categories, the Georgia Bulldogs. Are you sure you don't have uh, 2021 stats pulled up or something? <laughs> I mean, that, that's just I don't I don't believe you. Well, they're thirteenth in the nation in, in offensive efficiency. So, hmm. seven point again. They haven't played anybody yet, though. So, like, they should be ranked there. I, I don't think it's that crazy to put put them where they are. I, I think th- you're right about to point out the history, though. The, and again, we're not. We'll talk Kentucky, Tennessee here in a, in, a, in a couple of weeks. But um, I, I, Florida, Kentucky should both win. Kentucky has revenge on the mind against Vanderbilt. Tennessee needs to a get right situation. I want to know what you saw from from Georgia. I want to know because I think they're I think they're just patiently working out the kinks. That's what I think they are. And I think playing a team like South Carolina, who's got a pretty decent quarterback, and I'll be the first one to say Spencer Rattler's playing better than I expected, but that the team itself is still a big concern. I don't know how many games they're they're going to win this year because their schedule's so hard and the offensive line sucks. This is must-win desperation shit for Mississippi State and South Carolina this weekend at seven thirty Eastern time kickoff. I, I I don't know. I think Georgia's just kind of working it out. I don't. I'm not really worried about them, but I also didn't pick them to win the national championship this year. I said it on your show in in, in Nashville at Media Day. So I think they're just. I think they're going through the motions. I don't know. I don't know. I don't really know what to make of Georgia yet. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm certainly grading them on a curve, but if that being the case, I think they're they're failing. Uh, I mean, I realize they're they're beating the hell out of some of these cream puffs, but. Not pretty in the first half, but maybe that woke them up because they dominated. But I, I think what's really killing them is injuries. Brock Bowers, it's, it sounds like he is. Mike Griffith says he's hurt more than more than you know. Like this may this may not get resolved this entire season. Lad McConkey, who's just underrated as hell, he's not even suited up. Uh, they don't. Have, they got Edwards back last week, but until then, they they didn't have any healthy running backs. I mean. Yeah. So uh, Mims just went down. Um, it sounds like that's going to be a bad one as well. So it's like, I don't know, Braden. I, I don't think – I think the expectations of just them coming out and kicking everybody's ass and getting told how easy the schedule is, I think that's I think that's weighing on them a little bit. I, I, I agree. I think three-peats and complacency and 18- to 22-year-olds and trying to stay focused – I also think the schedule, we talked about this in the summer. None of these teams are elite, but there are a lot of really good football teams on the schedule. Kentucky, South Carolina, Ole Miss, Tennessee, like none of them are elite probably, but all of them are capable of giving you a good game. And South Carolina, I give them a ton of credit for how well they played in the first half. And then Georgia turned around and stomped their ass in the second half. So I think they're working it all out is what I think is happening. I, I don't think, I think you're right. They're, they're, I'm not picking them to win the national championship. I'm still picking them to win the SEC. Florida State is my pick. That was my pick to win the national championship in the summer, so I'm sticking with it. I, I think 
I, I think Georgia is going to be fine, but on the road against Auburn, uh, you know, like you can, you can, you can start seeing games that are going to create some problems. And I could see, I could see one loss in there somewhere. Are they, are they well, going back to what I was saying about the, the kickoffs and the scheduling? So that, that's another one. Georgia caught a break because that was, that's been announced as the, the SEC on CBS. I'd much rather play at Auburn at 3.30, 2.30, that local time, than at night. So and mm-hmm. we can't sit here and say A&M should kill Auburn. And I get, I get a different venue, but Georgia really should kill Auburn as well. I, even though it is in Jordan-Hare, that, that certainly makes it a lot if, – if, if, now, if Auburn goes into Kyle Field and beats them, oh, buddy, that environment's going to be something. So That's what yeah, I'm saying. That, that's one to watch. That's one to watch for sure. I, I listen. I, I'm not worried about Georgia. I think they win the SEC. I think they make the playoff. I just think it's going to be a tougher journey to get there, which I think is frankly good for college football. It makes everybody that plays them feel like they have a chance, and they're just not as like they're they're equally as talented, but they're just a different team. And frankly, Carson Beck. I, I don't know what you make of Carson Beck. I think he's in control of the offense. I think he knows what's happening. But he just he feels like I can't there's something a little off about some of the throws. He was very efficient last week, like second half. The numbers were great. He was a high completion percentage. He was doing what he's supposed to do. Didn't take too many risks. But there's just like there was I think the more and more I get further away from Stetson Bennett, the more and more I appreciate like what he did in critical situations, which I think is the difference between old Georgia and this year's Georgia. As long as he doesn't hurt them, then he's fine. Yeah, they're going to win most like, games. I don't, I don't, some people were hyping him up as a top quarterback. He's clearly not that, at least not yet. But, yeah. again, as long as he doesn't beat them, or you know, get Georgia beat with turnovers and stuff, they should be fine. But, to me, he looks kind of middle of the road right now. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, Bob Williams says, when pressured, Rattler scrambles looking to throw. KJ scrambles looking to run. I do think that is a very huge – that's a really big difference in a quarterback who – runs to, like Steve Young, Russell Wilson, these guys would run to throw versus guys that would look to run to run is a weird phrase, but that, that's a really smart way to talk about Spencer Rattler. And I think if you look at this game at 7.30 Eastern time against Mississippi State, like this is their last chance. Like, you, you can't go one and three with the games that you still have, like at Tennessee, Clemson, like you can't go one and three to start the season. I, I think this is desperation territory for, for Shane Beamer in South Carolina. And frankly, it's not all that different for mississippi state either like this is uh, it's probably like the third or fourth most important game on the schedule this weekend but it is really really important to those two fan bases from a bowl game standpoint a trajectory standpoint and a conversation standpoint Mm. man fans are so funny Braden. bobo don't know what he's doing are we already back to that are we (laughs) the the three best to the sec for like 25 years the, the three best offenses Mark Richt ever had were Mark were Mike Mike Bobo was like number one in the nation in yards like the most efficient offense in America the I think it was 2012 right with Aaron Murray where they should have won basically the national championship and the the play against Bama the winner was going to go beat Notre Dame in the national title game either way right uh, like the most efficient offense in America and they were like oh I think we should fire Bobo wouldn't he be an upgrade for probably like eight or nine SEC teams right now. I mean, off the top of my head, probably. Yeah. I mean, I don't <laughs> that know. ain't cutting it, though. You know, I mean, like... would, Bama, would Bama fans <laughs> trade for their guy? Right yep. Now? I bet you Bama fans would trade. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, the, the backup quarterback and the offensive coordinator. The most popular and least popular human being on every college campus <laughs> in the SEC. 
We all love the backup quarterback, except for your, except for Bama, probably right. And we all hate the offensive coordinator. It's just the way well, it goes. they were calling for the backup last week until they Nico, actually saw him play. Nico, Nico, Nico. <laughs> I had to explain to my wife and daughters who were watching the game with me on Saturday, and I was like, "Dude, they were chanting for Nico at the Virginia game in in garbage time." And then, if you notice at the end of that game, every time they'd flash to the sideline, Nico was in the shot. <laughs> <laughs> if you notice the tv broadcast every time they pan to the side and then nico be there patting him on the head <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um all right what else we got here today uh let's see i think that's about it uh, mississippi I, I don't know what to think of mississippi state south carolina that's a sit down kick your feet up and enjoy the game um uh, does mississippi state have some defensive personnel to take advantage of south carolina's offensive issues i don't know i think Right now, I don't Rattlers... know if South Carolina can stop the run either. So I, I think yeah. that that potentially makes that game interesting. I can't believe that's a piece of analysis about Mississippi State. Like, well, you got to stop the run. <laughs> you <laughs> to, do to, because to that's about that's the only thing they can do right now. What's the over under on that game? Do you know off the top of your head? Uh, no, but I got it right here. Let's see. I know South Carolina's favored by six at home. I would take Carolina to win that game, but 50, 55-0. Ooh, that's a big number. I might, I might even still take the over on that one. I, I don't see how either team slows down the other one, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, and I, you know, you everything you said about Spencer Rattler is right, but how weird is it that we're we're sitting here saying, well, when this guy's scram, you know, has to run, he's looking to throw. This guy's running to to run. I mean, it's you don't want your quarterback running for his life. I mean, that that kind of goes without well, saying. But, yeah, that's, but that's the... that's. That's what's happening this season for a lot of these teams. But I do. But I think it's an important distinction. Like if if you're scrambling and still trying to create downfield opportunities, that that is what makes a quarterback a pro quarterback. That's what makes you an elite quarterback. Right. And it's not it's not a knock on KJ. It's just KJ is built like a tank and <laughs> and he wants to run people over. And I, frankly, I don't think he's got a lot of support at receiver. I don't think KJ's got a lot of support. I mean, they both have offensive line questions. Uh, they both have a pretty decent tailback if if healthy. Um, uh, Donovan asked Braden, just out of curiosity, who do you think has the worst roster in the SEC West? I I think it I, Auburn, Alabama, maybe, maybe Arkansas. Oh, stop it, maybe Arkansas. <laughs> I I don't know. I think I think those three Auburn, Arkansas, Mississippi State are at the bottom. But you can't talk about Mississippi State that way with the experience that they have. They may not be. They may be the worst team. But Auburn's just Auburn. The wholesale changes that they made in the offseason with like all these new faces in the portal, like it's hard to, like that's not what Auburn wants to be in two years, right? They want to recruit top ten classes and, and get four and five star kids in there. So I don't, I think Auburn is maybe the furthest from what they're gonna be. If that's a fair answer, I don't know where do you fall on that. Hmm. Probably, I think it's Mississippi State, given that. The personnel they have does not fit what they're trying to do. I, th- I think that's that's the that's the way I'd answer that question. I think that's smart context by you. Whereas, but that's Auburn, not what he asked. Before they a- added all these guys through the portal, I probably could have said the same thing. But they wisely added a bunch of guys that fit what they're trying to do now, as opposed to what they were doing, which clearly we didn't get enough of that from Mississippi State, at least after the first month. Yeah. Um, all right. You want to you want to mention Texas or Oklahoma here at all? Oklahoma's the team to beat, man. I mean, I've I've been, got my eyes on these teams all year long, and 
God, for people that have not been paying attention, I mean, I I never respected them either, so I, I get it. But, God, they're jumping on people. They, they look high-flying. They look fun. Hell, they're putting in the backup quarterback, and he looks incredible. I mean, what against a, against Tulsa and Butch Jones? What? Well, come on now. I mean, they're they're up twenty eight zero in the first quarter. This is what Georgia should be. This is what that's, I thought Georgia was. Yeah, they're the ones that are doing it. So I, I've been wildly impressed with Oklahoma. Right, at Oklahoma I, will play at Cincinnati this week. That'll be their biggest test by far to date, and Cincinnati is okay. <laughs> I think I think Art Browse must be giving them tips on the sidelines or something. Oh, before he got banned from the field. <laughs> good, good fucking riddance, dude. Get that motherfucker <laughs> off the field. That's I don't that's, I don't care how related <laughs> I don't care how you're related to the offensive coordinator. Get that that's, dude off the field. That's the only L Oklahoma's taken so far this year. Uh, Texas is a 15 point favorite on the road against Baylor. Oklahoma a 14 point favorite on the road against Cincinnati. That Baylor Texas rivalry is a much bigger deal than people think. It's only like 90 minutes up the road from Austin to Waco. So and Waco is freaking weird, man. So. Does it does it concern <laughs> you that they played so well against Bama and then Wyoming and now? Wyoming's a weird Wyoming's a weird team. They play like yeah. a really distinct style that like slows things down and makes you look bad, kind of, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but but what was it? Thirty-one ten was the final score, I think. So right, but it was it was ten ten in in the fourth. Yeah, that that's concerning. I mean, Texas does Texas things, and if Texas wants to be in the playoff and prove that what it did against Alabama was the real version of itself, then it can't it can't screw up. Now, a three touchdown fourth quarter is is a nice way to end the game. Um, that's for sure. But I, I, I think you're right to say Oklahoma has been interesting. I, the team to watch in the big 12, Kansas, keep an eye on Kansas. They're going to beat Oklahoma. They're, how about this? They're, here's one for you gamblers. Uh, Kansas will beat Oklahoma outright at home. Interesting. I don't know why there we're talking Kansas, but you heard it. Right, who, you heard who's it got the, who's got the most approved this weekend to you in the SEC? Is it Bama? Bama has the the most to lose, for sure. Um, or is it A and M? A and M's got a lot to prove. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I would say, yeah, because like Tennessee and Florida are both just sort of like you're supposed to win here. Kentucky, mm-hmm. you're supposed to win there. I think you know Missouri could be in this conversation because Memphis is a solid team. It's a rivalry game, neutral field, and you're coming off a big win. You got to make sure you follow that up with a good performance. And prove it. I, I think it's A and M and Bama. I think those would be the two. I think South Carolina what Mississippi State is is tricky. If Kentucky too. loses to Vanderbilt again, because yeah, I went back and watched that Vanderbilt game. It's it wasn't it as bad as I thought. I mean, I they had their moments, and again, they, that was a, that was a game you can't lose. They, and they obviously found a way to to lose it. Yeah, but I'm not ready to completely give up on them. Uh, Braden still wears a mask while driving in his car alone with a Ukraine flag bumper sticker. First of all, I'm a huge fan of personal freedom, plump strawberry. So don't you tell me what I can and can't do. I'll do whatever the fuck I want to do. It's America, motherfucker. All right. And if I want to have a, and also I'm anti-war. You're right. You got me there. You got me there. I'm anti-people dying. Um, but you know what? Personal freedom, big guys. Personal freedom. I'm a big, big, big personal freedom guy here. Big personal. Wait, freedom. I, think, a, I think Bama, Bama and A&M. Mark, what happens to Mark Stoops if they lose? If they lose? Uh, that, that's a huge. They I mean, lost that, last that's year. Like, I know. Um, I think Levis was really, really hurt in that game. I, I think 
and Vanderbilt has not been as I mean, talk about shitting the bed. Holy cow. You cannot be you cannot give up let a I was told they were the most hitting physical team they are. in the SEC. Why you gotta keep bringing that shit up? It's still true. It's still true. <laughs> it doesn't make it any less true. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't make them better at football, apparently. Uh, but how do you let a how do you let a guy with no time remaining? How do you let a guy get behind you on the sideline? Like it's just mind-numbing what they did to UNLV. Talk about like the whole conference kind of other than Missouri, like shit down its leg. Bama shit down its leg. Tennessee shit down its leg. Arkansas shit down its leg. Mississippi State shit down its leg. Vanderbilt shit down. A lot of shitting down the leg last week. So yeah, um, I, I Vanderbilt has not been as good as they they were last year. I think Levis's Levis's injury and Leary being healthy with Davis and all those guys like Liam Cohen is a huge upgrade. I think it's a big problem. Uh, answer to your question is it's a huge problem if they lose. Mm-hmm. But I think this is a different Kentucky team. So I they okay. I, w- w- this is a this is their. I mean, isn't this their best opponent so far to date? I mean, it is. So. Sadly, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, they've got the same same thing as Georgia, but everybody gives Georgia hell. They don't give Kentucky hell. Uh, oh, like playing with your food a little bit in the non-conference? Well, that and the, the schedule. I mean, it's just awful. Well, I think I think everybody gets knocked for that. Like, I'll say this about other conferences. I think fans of other conferences don't acknowledge that their teams play these kinds of schedules. Like, look at Michigan's schedule this year. Michigan played Bowling Green, UNLV, and Eastern Carolina in 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 non conference. They won. They were favored by four, thirty points in every one of them. And the Big Ten fans will be like, "Oh, who are you guys going to play in November?" I'm like, "Don't blame the SEC for the fact that your conference is stupid." Okay, like it's not the <laughs> SEC's fault that the Big Ten is stupid and won't let you play those games in November. Uh, it, it is what it is. So uh, I yeah. think all these. I think all these like all these teams play big games every now and then all these teams play a couple cupcakes every year. Like, you know, the question is, a do couple's you fine, but four, that's, that's a problem. Well, no, they play Louisville right now. Louisville's four and oh, I mean, Louisville's a good football team. So like if you play one good power five team in non-conference, I, I don't know what else you're supposed to do. Like ha- half the league has a guaranteed non-conference power five opponent and rivalry week. Like, I don't, I don't know why fans in other conferences don't point that out. <laughs> like, not no, that Georgia, does, Te- not that Georgia Tech is great or anything, but like, because it doesn't fit their narrative. Well, right, it's got to be that it's got to be part of the narrative, Mike. Yep, it's got to be part of the narrative. Uh, when Bama wins, you can change your narrative this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> no, by beating that, Ole Miss at home, the, no. The dynasty, that, the dynasty's a, not over. That's a. I think that was a twenty-four point spread about a month ago. It's seven now. No, all I all I know is the dynasty is not over until Nick Saban retires. That's it. Full stop. Okay. I guess you've not been watching the last couple of years. That's fine. Mm, okay. Well, they went to back-to-back national championship games in the last couple of years. They won the national title undefeated in 2020 in the last couple of years. So not we'll see what happens. Th- we'll see what happens this year. They were in the national championship game two years ago, dummy. Well, let, let's hang a banner. Hang a banner for, clo- for close. We're, they they- won. They actually <laughs> do get a banner because they won the SEC championship game. When they okay. torched the best defense in forty years, I don't know why. I hate defending Alabama. Why are you making me do I this? I didn't know that's what they were playing for up there, but it's good to know. They're playing Runner for up. an SEC champion. When you play in an SEC championship game, you're trying to win, and okay. they did. I'm just Georgia saying, won the one that matters. I, I don't disagree, and most people are happy to see it. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, so if you want to jump over to the 440 Sports YouTube page and subscribe, we'll have some game previews, game previews for you. A little deeper analysis from myself and Steven Lassen on a couple of these big games in the SEC this week. We do it each and every week. we got two or three of them up there every single week. Of course, I know you've got Steven Lassen on every Tuesday to preview the game, so make sure you check that out on that, that SEC podcast as well. Uh, and if you want this show, of course, tell somebody about it. SEC Football Live, everywhere you get your podcasts. We really do appreciate you guys listening. And thank you for all the wonderful and amazing comments. Even you, Mr. Fat-Ass Strawberry. I do appreciate it, you, fruitcake. <laughs> for, my, for Mike Bratton, I am Braden Gall. Got to coach better, got to play better. We'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs>